Hey guys, my name is Nicole Escobar and I am your host. I am also the director of Trees of Hope, which is a nonprofit in South Florida that exists to train, educate, and equip parents on how to protect the children in their life from being sexually abused. We also offer survivor-led healing support groups for victims of sexual abuse. We wanna welcome you because this is our podcast. We hope it encourages you, we hope it inspires you, and we hope you leave here knowing that hope is real, your story matters, and that you are more than just a hashtag. So let's get to our next episode. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 10 of Not Just the Hashtag Podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today. I am joined today with Kristen Torres, our in-house counselor. How are you doing, Kristen? Hi, Nicole. So good. So (laughs) glad to be here with you today. It's been a bit. Yeah. And if we sound a little different, it's because as times are changing and the days are changing, we have to sort of ebb and flow with what we have here. And um, on her end, she had to make some changes. And on my end, um, I wasn't able to record at Trees of Hope. So bear with us. Um, We sound a little different, but we have excellent content today. I'm so excited to get into this episode because I had heard a little bit about it um, through something you shared with me. And I thought, man, this would be so great for our podcast because I think the way we think affects everything that we do. So we're titling this specific episode, Changing Your Thinking and Change Your Life. So I I think our thoughts are very powerful. As most of us know, Um, many times we continue with the same thinking patterns, even though they get us frustrated or discouraged and sometimes even feeling stuck. Um, We are going to jump in and talk about dysfunctional patterns of thinking, and then we want to talk about some ways to combat or change these patterns so that when you feel stuck, you can find ways to get unstuck and start thinking thoughts that are more accurate and truthful about yourself and your life. Okay, Kristen, can you tell us how changing your thinking will change our lives? Okay, so, I mean, I think, think about this, right? Ironically think, what are we doing all day long? Other than breathing, we are thinking. Whether we are consciously thinking or subconsciously, thoughts are going on all day long. So if we actually are more aware of how we are thinking and more intentional about it um, and aligning our thinking with truth, then how would that not change your life, right? Um, Some of us are kind of clued in already to what our thinking patterns are like or have a hunch of it. Um, Some people may have already been to some therapy um, or read some books or had some conversations where they're pretty aware. And then some other people may be um, not so aware yet, but maybe they even have a hunch that like, hmm, I wonder if my thinking may be causing some problems for me. Um, especially if you think about it too, if you struggle with anxiety, so much of anxiety is based on, um, thinking that is inaccurate or skewed. So Mm -hmm. we'll get more into that too. Yeah. So tell me when, I mean, I've heard this term cognitive thinking and is the word cognitive mean thinking the way we think? Right. Yeah. Cognitive therapy is cognition. It's thoughts. Okay. Because I've heard when I started with therapy, 
uh, my therapist said that word a few times and I thought it was, I, I was like, I don't even, I'm not there yet. Like I can't even think of what that means. Like how do we even walk, walk into that path? So the words cognitive distortions, yes. what, do that, what do those words mean? So distorted thinking. If cognition okay. is our thinking, um, distortions are distorted thinking. It's almost like it's, inst- if you imagine, because, you know, this is all having to kind of be visual because it's on a podcast, right? So if you imagine like seeing an arrow pointing straight up, like let's say straight north, right? Cognitive distorted thinking, thinking that is distorted is crooked. It may be slightly slightly off, right? It may be completely off. You're, you're that arrow is pointed completely south, east or west, or maybe just slightly off from north. But as we all know, if we keep following that arrow that's just slightly off from north, will you ever arrive at actual perfect north? No. no. Right. Just a slight deviation is going to send you in the wrong direction. So accurate, truthful thinking, if, we th- if we're conceptualizing it this way, is pointed like straight north. Cognitive distortions are crooked, kind of bent out of, out of, um, out of order, you yeah. know, thing. Um, so in fact, I'd love to give you some examples. Yes. I would love to hear them. Yes, there are. If you do a Google search for cognitive distortions, there are tons of them. So we'll just go over some of them today. Um, but yeah, just know it's, it's kind of a minefield if you, if you go into to Googling that. So one of the first ones I would say is all or nothing thinking. So this is thinking in absolutes, such as always, never, every. And think about for people on their healing journey, let's say, or who are even thinking about starting their healing journey, you know, from sexual abuse. So um, all or nothing thinking, a good example of that is I will always be this way, or I'll never be able to heal. I'll never be able to change those kind of thinkings. That is all or nothing thinking. And the truth of the matter is that it's very rare that anything about us is all or nothing or anything about John or Sammy or Kim or whomever is all or nothing. People are very, very, are varied. Mm-hmm. So all or nothing thinking is just, is distorted thinking. Okay. That's again, that always, never, every, you know, those kind of things. In fact, if you think about it in relationships too, like a great way to start an argument is you always fill in the blank. You never fill in the blank. You, every time you so-and-so, it's very rare again, that any of us always never, or every time do whatever it is. Right. Let's talk about another one. Jumping to conclusions or mind reading. Okay. So this one is assuming we know what the other person is thinking or feeling. So um, again, it may be that we think we're for certain that so-and-so can't stand us, hates us, doesn't want to be around us, that kind of thing. And we've convinced ourselves that that's accurate. So um, we have maybe that no conversation has ever been had about that, but we just know that that's the case. Right. Um, And some of us, and again, when I talk about these cognitive distortions, some people, we usually have a tendency toward one or two of them more than other ones. And some of us have maybe a sprinkling of all of them, right? So um, the goal of this, though, I want to just say before I continue is to, to help you have awareness of where your thinking may be distorted because the really good news is that this can be changed. There's usually a reason that we've developed this type of thinking and this can be changed. So I just want to throw that out there before I go further, because what I don't want is anyone to be hearing these things and think, oh my goodness, that's me. 
now I've officially told, you know, no, for sure that I have distorted thinking and I, you know, I'm, let's go back to all or nothing. You know, I'll never be better. I'll never be okay. I can never fix this, that kind of thing. And that is absolutely not true. Um, in fact, what uh, any therapists that are cognitive behavioral therapists, what they're going to work on first is they're going to work, likely they're going to work on distorted thinking and helping you change that. So, all right. So jump back into uh, jumping to conclusions, mind reading. Again, we're assuming we know what the other person's thinking. We, are, we have convinced ourselves that that is accurate. Um, and we likely don't have much information to support that. Um, should statements, the belief that things should be a certain way, right? How many of us get stuck with these should statements? I mean, I'm sure you've done it, Nicole. I know I have, right? Yes. Yes. I, sh I should do this. I should have done that. And some of us live there, right? I should never have done this or that. And we can't, it's like, we can't move forward from decisions we've maybe made in the past because I should have done such and such, you know, um, or I should have, I should be over this by now. Right. I mean, think about again, if we're talking about the healing process, I should be through this. This happened such a long time ago. What's my problem? You know, that kind of thing. I ask you a question for somebody who may feel the guilt of, um, Okay, so let me give the example. I a lot of times people come to us who have been sexually abused in their 18 through 24 age range as opposed to a child. Sure. And they say things like, well, I shouldn't have gone to the party or I shouldn't have gotten drunk or I shouldn't have done this. And now every decision that they make after, they second guess it because they, they go back to that distorted thinking. What can we say to somebody like that? Well, I think when you get into that type of thinking, it's really shame-based and it immediately triggers that feeling of shame. Something's wrong with me. Um, I'm not worthy. You know, um, again, I can't change. I, I'm stuck in this and you, there's no winning. There's no winning in that type of thinking. So in other words, there's no, it's almost like there's no way out of it unless you stop the should statements because the truth of the matter is that I don't care what anyone did. Um, sexual abuse, sexual assault is never, ever in any way, shape or form justified. Does not matter. And we know that, of course, we talk about that, right? That is not, it is not the victim's fault of that, you know? And I think um, one, some of the ways in which to get out of those should statements and living in that place is telling someone else to get a reality check. You have to talk to some, my encouragement rather, is you have to talk to someone that, um, that is trustworthy, that feels safe to you so you can get a reality check, you know, to help you get out of that loop. That, cause that's a thinking loop that you get, can get stuck in. You know, I should have done that. Oh my gosh, I'm such a failure. I can't make good decisions. I can't this or that. I'm just destined to fail and have or bad relationships, bad things always happen to me, that kind of thing. And when we start to think that way, then very likely what ends up happening is even unconsciously, we will start making decisions to support that type of thinking we will then put ourselves into situations that are unsafe or unhealthy because all we're trying to do is confirm that mm -hmm. belief that we have about ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, that this is just my lot in life. And let me tell you how untrue, how far from true North that is. Right. But it's, 
It's you're literally yesterday. I did this exact thing. I woke up feeling super depressed about a decision that I had made over the weekend with my husband. And I felt like I was hiding it. I felt like I was keeping it to myself because only I knew. So I went for a run and I finally, um, I like, I, I was crying on the run. I just was overwhelmed with grief. And it was, I should have, I should have, I should have said this. I shouldn't have said that. I, this. So I finally talked to somebody and I basically did exactly what you said. And all she had to say was, you feel that way when you know you're hiding something or when you're um, covering something. So to avoid that, get it out in the open and tell yeah. your husband what happened and what, 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 you know, the whole story, right. you know, so he understands so that he knows you don't want to ever hide anything yeah. or that you just don't want that in between you guys. And I did. And, and it was like the best feeling like the day yesterday was like horrible. And today I feel like so much um, peace off my shoulders and just like, I feel so much better. So I, I can understand how if we allow that, it can just compound because oh, yeah. in the past, I would just let it go on for months if I felt that way. And I would be like, well, um, you know, but I still shouldn't have done that. Well, they shouldn't have done that. And I would justify it and keep justifying my thoughts and almost make it worse. And oh, yeah. then be like in an island all by myself. Yeah. And then without talking about it to anyone, then explode because it finally like ate me alive that I wasn't getting it out and talking. Right. So I'm so glad you just said that because it like almost felt very personal. That's something that we need to do more of is just when you go down this path, just bring it up to somebody like, Hey, am I going crazy here? Or am I, am I like, am I overthinking this or let, like talk to each other? Absolutely. That's such a good example, Nicole. And I think that that reality checking is so important because when we sometimes rely on our own thinking and the Bible talks about this, right? Like lean not on your under understanding, but in, um, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, the Lord, and he will make your path straight. We are limited in our ability to understand everything. We do not know the beginning from the end on things. And so many times we convince ourselves that we do. Oh, no, no, no. I know you know, just like in this type of thinking, right? Just like in all these things we talked about, oh, I know this always happens, or I know they think this, or they think that, or I know I shouldn't have done this, or I should do that, or they should do this or do that. And then what we're doing is we're even crossing like healthy boundaries and we're trying to control other people's behavior and all kinds of stuff. Um, reality checking is, is such a good way to um, clear up some of this thinking. And also you want a perfect... Um, at least beginning antidote to shame is bring it out into the light. Shame and all that icky stuff festers in the dark. And oh she tells you that you need to hide, right? Yep. And stay in the dark. Do not bring this into the light. Yep. It's funny because now that I've shared my sexual abuse story with people and or it's been on social media or whatever, and we have this podcast or whatever, people talk, come to me and they sh they'll share something and it's so interesting. They'll go like, they'll, uh, they'll go, you know, I wish I could be as brave as you. And then they'll start whispering. Mm. And I'm like, 
please don't do that. I used to do that. I used to do that very thing. I would, you know, tell my story, start telling the story and I would start whispering or I would change the verbiage by saying, well, something sexual happened to me. It's not a big deal because I was letting my, I was trying to rescue myself and I was trying to minimize it. And, um, I just, you, the more I, I have come alive so much just by speaking about this. My friends who have gone through healing and I've watched their lives transform have come alive and they're new people. They're, they, the way they think is new, the way they view the world around them is new, the way that they view people in their life. I, I have one specific person where I'm watching their life from afar. I know they went through the healing at Trees of Hope yeah. and I just see a totally different person and it brings me so much joy because it's like, I know we played a role in their life in helping them recognize some bad things and the way they're thinking. And now they're in a really great relationship and it's like they, because they're healthy, they were able to attract a healthy person. And that makes me so proud because I get that. I used to attract not healthy people because I didn't think healthy. My distorted thinking, oh my gosh, these people are on the same path as me, making it worse. Yes. So um, I just love everything you're saying. And I'm sorry, keep going. No, you're fine. Absolutely. But but you're so right. It's such a beautiful testimony to bring things into the light. You know, I know T.D. Jakes has a really good quote that I've heard Oprah, a lot of people talk about, but I think it's about basically what's not brought out into the light can't be healed. And I I could be misquoting. Please look that up if that's not exactly the case, but that's in essence what he said. He said, you cannot heal what you continue to hide. Well, there we go. Oh my gosh. So much better. Yes. So there we go. It's true. And it's the same kind of thing. Like think about, you know, if we go to a lot of times I will compare with clients wounds, you know, that, that need to be healed you know, um, so many, like a, a scar, something that's cut, an injury that happens, what is the first thing they do? They're going to take all of your bandages that you've tried to use off so you can clean it out. It has to come in to the light first mm-hmm. in order to be healed. And yes, maybe rebandage and so forth, but still light somehow has to get to that, you know, for it to be healed. So again, talking about these things, these cognitive distortions is not to weigh you down and make you feel terrible about it's just this is just helping bring some truth and illuminating what may be going on so that you can work on changing it because it can yeah. definitely be changed um, yeah. also just want to add here that yes when i started hearing when we started preparing for this specific episode i thought to myself wow i have every one of these like as i as i mentioned to you but i want you to know that if you're listening to this and you're thinking the same thing as me just like kristen had said don't feel shame i thought the same thing trust me we're not alone no nope. we are a lot of the people in this world have these things and are in denial about it um and I think it's important that it's good to know who you are because when we get to the hopeful side, which is substituting better and coming up with better solutions, you're going to know when you're doing it and almost giggle or like find it in your heart to go, wow, I can do something different here. Like I have the ability to not do this bad thing. I can do this other thing. So just know that you're not alone. And um, we promise we're not going to leave you with just like, a bunch of uh, words of 
this is who you are. And unfortunately, we're going to give you some solutions to, to how you can fix this. Well, and I want to throw out, I'm going to say just one more cognitive distortion so that we can then get into some solutions. So um, one of them, I think it's so important to talk about is catastrophizing. This is seeing only the worst possible outcome, such as like, I'm just a failure and like, there's no way I'm not even going to try. I've tried to change things before. Right. Um, And you can just imagine what uh, um, other examples can be from there. So this is catastrophizing. Everything will, is always going to turn out terrible. There's no possible good way this could end. Um, again, that's another type of um, distorted thinking. So um, something I also want to say, make sure that I say is if you're noticing yourself or you're listening to this and you're feeling like, oh my goodness, I have a ton of this. And let's say we talk about some of these ways in which to change this or combat this and you feel really stuck. It, it's, it's good to reach out. That may be a sign that you need to reach out to a therapist for some help with this. Or you may not, you know, if you don't even feel comfortable with that, at least a trusted friend to kind of talk through this with. Um, for, because for some people, they have been so seeped in this thinking for so long that some of these practical tools may feel like insurmountable to even try to do. And I know that, you know, so we are as therapists are here to wa- help walk you through that or a good trusted friend would probably, I'm sure be willing to do that as well, but just know you're not alone in that. For some people too, though, you're hearing this and you may hear some of these solutions and, and you're going to be able to kind of apply them and, and you will change some of this. And that's really cool too. It, that doesn't make one person better than the other. It's just everyone's experience is different. So I just want to kind of throw that out there too. Um, one of the things you already mentioned, Nicole, was that automatic thoughts. So you, if you just take a piece of paper and you make three columns and the first column is cognitive distortion or trigger. So you identify what that trigger is or the type of thinking that it is. And even if you don't call it a distortion, just a trigger, then the automatic thought that happens in the column next to that. And then the net third column, you write a new, more accurate thought. So as an example, let's say that catastrophizing, okay? So um, the catastrophizing thinking. So for the trigger there, what could be a, a, like a good trigger for us there? Um, it could it be like, you're thinking of one already? Well, like I w- I'm thinking of COVID-19, um, like everyone's going to die. The whole world's going to end. I'm going to get COVID. My family's going to get COVID. We're, you know, the the world and the way that it's going, like, is going to be, we're never going to go back to normal. And I'm never going to be able to see my friends and family again. Okay. Uh, those are just a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a few. Exactly. And man, what a perfect one, right? Because this situation is ripe for thinking, catastrophizing thoughts, right? And can really feed into this, especially if this is kind of your distorted thinking way, so to speak. Um, And even if it's not, let's say for people who didn't necessarily think like that before, like just everything going on can absolutely make it the perfect environment to start to think that way. So um, let's say nothing will ever be the same. I'm never going to see my family again, those kind of things. So the automatic thought there, so let's say the trigger is just seeing the COVID like, you know, on the new talk about on the news and seeing numbers in the area and people wearing masks and all those kind of things. There can be so many triggers right now. Right. So automatic thought there is nothing will ever be the same. You know, I'm like, it, it's, it's all over the world's over. So the new more accurate thought could be what? 
What's a good new, more accurate thought to that? Um, just because it is the way that it is right now, doesn't mean it will always be like this. Okay. So yeah. So this is right now. Um, this is right now, but it's probably, it's not always going to be this way. And you know what? I think that's the truth. COVID is not going to go on and on and on for years because if we go back scientifically, like this is going to run its course and likely will go away. Just like they compare it a lot. I'm sure a lot of people have heard to the whole Spanish flu back in like 1918, I think it was, which took about a, a couple of years. Now, trust me, we can, this is a minefield. There's lots of noise out there about all of this, but the truth of the matter is we have a historical um, comparison that we can say that actually like it did end and it's going to scientifically, this is going to end. In fact, that's why we see some, some of the numbers, some slowly but surely going down in some areas. So the point is of all of that is you have a trigger and COVID-19 is a big trigger. Um, automatic thoughts or a million of them can, can go in that spot. And the new more accurate thought is something like, yeah, this will, this is, it's not going to be this way forever. This will eventually end. Okay. Um, if we, go into the should statements. Okay. So in that first column, we write down a trigger there. Um, so I'm going to just use one, like if you were at work, so you feel stressed out about talking to someone at work. Okay. So something going on with a coworker and the automatic thought could be there. I should not feel stressed when I talk to her. I shouldn't feel stressed. What's my problem? Like, why is this person triggering to me? And then a new, more accurate thought there could be, I think she reminds me or he reminds me of my ex. She or he isn't my ex though. I'll remind myself this the next time I talk to him or her. Like imagine that instead of just be, instead of going from that, like I'm really triggered by this person to what's my problem. I shouldn't feel this way. Instead, we allow ourselves to think for a moment why we maybe feel this way. So we're not invalidating our feelings. And then we choose to remind ourselves of the truth. This person isn't that person that's I'm reminded of when I talk to Sally or Bob or whomever. And this could happen anywhere. This could be at home for that matter. You know, this, this doesn't necessarily have to at work could be anywhere, but you get the point. If we don't shame ourselves, we actually have space um, to make a change, to actually think more truthfully. So again, those three columns, the cognitive distortion or trigger, the automatic thought in the middle, and the new more accurate thought on the right. And if you really want to take this chart to the next level, you put Bible verses in the new more accurate thoughts. That I love because honestly, it's the only thing that will stop some of these. Yes, we can come up with new thoughts, but I think it's good to hold on to promises and 100%. Yeah, and remind ourselves of who we are, who God is, and what we don't have to worry about. It's been setting me free lately by doing that, is just writing down some verses, memorizing them, really thinking through what they actually mean and how they apply to my specific story in life in this time, yep. and it's been so helpful. Imagine that, right? So many of us are getting more disciplined and our spiritual practices, right? And it is making a change. Imagine that, that actually works what the Lord tells us to do, right? right? Isn't it funny? And listen, I'm not laughing at you. I'm smiling because I know for myself personally too, renewing our minds, taking our thoughts captive. This exercise right here match, lines up perfectly with scripture to do that. We're not just allowing our minds to go any which way and think any which thought because no wonder so many of us are so anxious, myself included, 
included. The Lord really brought this alive for me. Like, um, Kristen, are you surprised that you have been so anxious? Um, look at what your thinking has been. You're exactly. not thinking about me. You're thinking about all the what ifs, right? And we definitely should have talked about people who obsess about what ifs. Oh gosh, that's a <laughs> that's a real minefield. Yeah. What ifs, what ifs. So anyway, so this kind of a chart, again, whether you put it in your phone or on paper or wherever, it doesn't matter, or just kind of have it in your head. So you take those thoughts and you replace them with true thoughts. When you're doing this, a lot of times at the beginning of it, it can be um, challenging and you have to be pretty intentional. Eventually those new thoughts, the more accurate thoughts can become um, your default as opposed to that negative or distorted thinking. Mm-hmm. But it just takes intentionality at the beginning in order to make that change. Yeah. There's a book by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Do you mm-hmm. know who I'm talking about? Okay. Um, I don't know. I can't remember the name exactly, but it talks about recreating the patterns in your brain right. through positive. Uh, she's a Christian, so she uses the word. But um, is it possible to recreate the patterns in your brain? that once were negative and went straight to negative thinking and replace them to more positive thought processes. Absolutely. Like because, neurologically. Right. Yes. And, and she's a great resource to learn. She has a podcast to um, cleaning up the mental mess. I think it's called. Um, yes. Yeah. She's really good. So uh, yeah, she talks about that too. When you stop reinforcing those pathways in your brain, stop like thinking like, um, whatever the thoughts are, whatever the negative associations are, when you stop going down that same path again and again and again, like I'm a failure. I always will be, I will never heal. I'll always be this way. Things like that. You stop reinforcing that, that road, that well-worn path will eventually die, especially once you create a new association. No, I can heal. The Lord is my healer, right? Those kind of things. You start thinking that way, you keep going down that road and eventually that other connection will die away. Oh, I love that. That is so empowering and encouraging. Yeah. I mean, the Lord made us this way. Yeah. Love and that. so consistent with his character because he made us to be able to heal. He is our healer. He is the great physician, you know, so, and the wonderful counselor. So he made us to be able to heal and to be redeemed. So that's why there's always hope to change and to heal from these things. Um, I want to give you guys another exercise. I think that's really cool. So for catastrophizing thinking, if you um, write down like what the ultimate fear is for that catastrophizing, that that type of thinking, right? Like, let's say we go back to that COVID-19 thing and we say, what's the worst that could happen? Um, What's the worst that could happen? Like continue on forever. Yeah. Well, I could die. Okay. Um, True. My, <laughs> right. Die? Is that right? Or or going back to that initial fear of this, nothing will ever go back to normal. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah. So the worst that could happen is nothing goes back to normal. What now? Here's the key, and this is usually where everybody like finds the truth out. What's the percentage of chance that will happen? That nothing will ever go back to normal. It's pretty low. I mean, right. right. It's yeah. like, it's like almost impossible right. that systems that have been in place for hundreds of years will not go back to. Well, even that this virus is going to be around for like 10, yeah. 15, 20, 30 years. No, right. 
It's just right. not scientifically. I don't even think that's possible. So, so that's usually where it, it gets found out that lie, that crazy catastrophizing thinking gets found out right there. As soon as you say the percentage chance that that's going to happen, that worst case scenario. Every time I go through this exercise with clients, when they talk about the worst case scenario, when they actually break it down and answer that question, what's the percentage of chance that's going to happen? It's like uh, five. (laughs) I said, okay, so then what's most likely to happen? That's the next question. What's the most likely thing to happen? Um, Right. Eventually. Something we're going to... Yeah. Some, yes, some things may be changed, but we're going to be through it in some way or shape or form. Okay. And then what's the percentage chance that would happen? And then they'll tell me, what what would you say? Probably 95, 90, 85. I'm going to go high. Yeah. So there's some more questions you can ask yourself in there too. But the point of that is you start to see reality. Right. The whole, all that focus has been on the, what's the worst thing ever that could happen. We break it down and get real and say the percentage of chance of the likelihood of that happening, eh, five, 10, nothing. Um, the most likely case scenario has a huge percentage chance of happening. So how do we end up feeling about it after that exercise? Oh, yeah. Right. Maybe it's not as scary as I thought it was. So if you take yourself through that exercise, that's a good way on paper to get a reality check. Right. Okay. Well, I think a lot of times, correct me if I'm wrong. The reason why people don't do that is because it takes more time. Yes. And it's easier to go to the negative because it's automatic. It's the, yeah. Right. That, especially if that's been our pattern for years, that it's easy. We know how to do that. But many of us don't want to stop and actually get out a piece of paper. What's that? And write these things down, like go through an exercise, like really questioning your thought, your thinking, your cognitions. Yeah. Most of us don't want to do that. And believe me, that's not just everybody else. You know, this doesn't mean I'm doing this every day. This is just yeah, it, it gets you a good, a really solid reality check. Yeah. Um, and one more I want to throw out there. Um, how w- the question would be, how would you treat a friend? If you think about, you know, if you think about it so many times, we are so much more compassionate to others than we are to ourselves, but it's hard to change our thinking. Just like we've talked about when you were unkind, I'll tell people sometimes to think about if they have a plant they're trying to grow, what do you do with the soil? So like you want this plant to grow, what kind of soil are you going to put in there? Like good new nutrient, like nutritious soil, like fresh. Yes. Right. You're not going to be like, how can I get gather up a bunch of trash and broken glass and like shove it into a pot and hope this plant grows or whatever, you know, you get the point you're going to put good nutrients in there. And so how my question is, how do we expect us as humans or others to grow well, if we're not giving ourselves or other people good soil to grow in. Mm-hmm. So that compassion is such an important part and that's including self-compassion. So if you think of a time when a close friend was suffering in some way or felt badly about themselves, how would you tend to respond? Like, what would you say? How would you sound? I mean, um, maybe like, like what's wrong with you? We're talking about back in the day because I don't do that now, okay. but like back in no, the day. No, think of a time now. Think of a time oh, now. Oh, I'm very much like I empathetic. I understand. I try to come alongside them and say, you know, this is where I've been and I can see how hard that struggle is 
but they're, and I always try to give them hope, like, but we can do this together. If I did it, you can do it. Encouragement. Yeah. It's so hopeful and encouraging. So think of a time when you yourself were struggling and maybe it's even right now. And what do you say or do? Like, how do you speak to yourself? And you don't necessarily even have to answer that, Nicole, but I just, anyone's even listening, right? How do you talk to yourself when you're struggling? Do you get into those should statements? What's my problem? Why am I still dealing with this? You know, I'll never get over this. I'm so (laughs) terrible or whatever the, the thought is, right? All this negativity. For some of you, you may be saying, no, I'm pretty good. I talk to myself in, in a, you know, good and I'm in, in a good manner and I'm patient with myself. And that's a good thing. But for those of you who are sitting there saying like, oh no, I like totally beat myself up. So the next question to ask then, was there a difference between your response to your friend and yourself? And like, I just gave you an example. If there is, why do you treat yourself so differently? You know, would be the question. And how would things change if you responded to yourself in the same way you would respond to a close friend who was suffering? Like if you actually had that same empathy and compassion for yourself that you have for your friend that's suffering, like how would that change things? Right. Right. And if we think about that, like how would that change things? It's like, oh my gosh, I can have hope. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that when I started this journey of like, this is something I'm going to do, which is deal with sexual abuse and healing and everything. I mean, it was instilled in us like early on to be kind to yourself and to speak words of, and again, going back to my run yesterday when I was boohooing, I literally had to say, okay, Nicole, you got to talk to yourself. Like you're your best friend right now because you know, you're like really going off on yourself right now. You're beating yourself up over something that can easily be fixed. And so it was just simply, you know, saying things like, uh, you know, we all make mistakes, we all do things. And but that doesn't make this okay, but we can make this right is, is what we can do. And, and all you got to do is just do what you got to do, you know, and um, it was also telling myself, I love you, you know, don't worry, like, but no, I mean, that's such a good example, right? You suddenly were compassionate, and then you were able to go home and like, talk about it. And it's, it was good that it took away the shame. Yeah. So thank you, Kristen, so much for explaining all of this to us. And I really hope and pray that this information will not only help our listeners, help them understand themselves better, but give you guys tools and solutions to change the way that you see yourself, the people around you, and your environment. Um, That's what the point of this podcast and these episodes are, is to help you grow, is to build a more resilient mindset, and to just face the struggles that you have in your life with just a stronger, more um, positive uh, response. And we are just so thankful for you being here with us. And we, uh, before we close, actually, I wanted to mention something that has been constantly coming into my news feeds and on social media. And it's really been heavy on my heart the past couple of months. Um, it is something I'm, I haven't seen in my lifetime have so much attention and it is child sexual abuse but also in the context of human trafficking. And although there is much more of the conversation centered around human trafficking, I think it's important that we talk a little bit really quickly about the data of the difference between the two. And just, I want to explain what 
uh, child sexual abuse is versus human trafficking. So if you've been around us for a while, you know we talk about statistics a lot. Um, we bring them up as often as we can because we think that data and statistics and facts are what is really going to open people's eyes to the problem of sexual abuse. Uh, but one of the biggest, most alarming statistics about child sexual abuse is that one in three girls and one in six boys will be victims of sexual abuse before their 18th birthday. Um, that is not the same for human trafficking, um, but that stat is based on only 12% reportings. Can you imagine what the numbers would actually be if there was the other 88% actually reported their abuse? In 2019, we had over 300 women walk through one of our healing programs and less than, and I'm saying very much less than, 1% of them reported their abuse. It was so minimal, it wasn't even worth mentioning that, any, that people reported. I mean, honestly, I, it, we may have had one or two people who reported. So if you're a parent, you need to understand that child sexual abuse occurs in America every nine minutes. Of the sexual abuse cases that are reported to law enforcement, 93% of the victims knew their perpetrator, with 59% of those being acquaintances, 34% being family members, and only 7% were strangers. So. When we hear this kind of data or these stats, what does it tell us? Well, a very obvious one that it tells us is that children and teens are vulnerable to being sexually abused by a neighbor, family friend, a church leader. I know a lot of people want to ignore that one, but yes, a youth pastor, a pastor, a teacher, a coach, or even by their own parents or a person in their family, like close family, brother or sister. The difference between sexual abuse and human trafficking is, and this is the most important one, that sexual abuse affects 100% of us. If it's not you who's been sexually abused, then it's someone you know, it's someone in your family, it's someone in your neighborhood, it's someone you go to church with, it's someone at your work, um, and hopefully not your child or someone that you take care of. Um, at Trees of Hope, I have committed my life's work to what we do. Um, I truly believe that we can be a part of ending the scourge of child sexual abuse through prevention education and bringing victims hope and wholeness through one of our healing groups. Um, over the past few months, I've had this fresh awareness come to me and just like a new awakened passion um, inside of me for this issue. And I want to do everything that I can to be a catalyst for action for our children, for teens, and for youth. And I truly believe that change starts with us. And I know there's so many things going on right now and so many different movements and people uh, bringing up all these different things that are happening, but we can't ignore this one thing because this is the most underreported, most silent epidemic that is happening to our children, to people in the history of our lives. 
So if you have a desire to learn more about how you can help us in this fight against sexual abuse, or you want to learn more about our programming or ways that you can partner with us uh, financially or any other way, please visit us online at treesofhope.org. Uh, you can also email me at info at treesofhope.org. Um, again, that is treesofhope.org, or you can email us at info at treesofhope.org. I also want to end with, if you are someone who is listening to this and you've been sexually abused and you have not gone through healing or one of our healing groups, I strongly, strongly encourage you to please take that first step. Our groups are starting very soon. We offer in-person groups in locations that are allowing that and virtual groups. And we have online self-paced groups. We also offer individual studies. So we want, we, we give you no reason to not deal with the sexual abuse that you've experienced. We want to walk alongside you. We want to see you whole and healed. We want to help you. So please take advantage of these opportunities and these programs because they will change your life. And um, we just are so blessed that we have the opportunity to, to offer them to you. And we just really hope that you take advantage of them. So thank you again for listening. We will see you next time on episode 11. We love you. Bye. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe even consider rating the podcast or share it with one of your friends. It really makes all the difference. For more content from Trees of Hope and to connect with us, go to treesofhope.org. We love you. Bye.